You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. If you have your Bible, I invite you to grab it and turn to Mark 15 with me this evening. If you don't have a Bible, that's totally okay. Mark chapter 15. We're going to read together starting in verse 16. We're going to read Mark's account here of Jesus' moving towards the cross and his death upon the cross. Mark 15 verse 16 says, Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. They clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed, and they spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off of him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. They brought him to the place called Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. They gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots before them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right, the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Those who passed by, they blasphemed him, wagging their heads, saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that, they said, look, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and they filled a sponge full of sour wine. They put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So that when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Let's pray one more time. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word, your word. And we ask that God, as we think on it now, that you would speak and you would lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're here to remember the events of Good Friday, which we call good for a good reason. The fact that today made our salvation, our access to the Lord, our being reconciled to the Lord, a possibility as Jesus gave himself for us on the cross. We call Good Friday good for a very good reason. However, Good Friday over 2,000 years ago was not a good day for many. For many, it was a very dark day. You know, for 11 men who had followed Jesus for three years, who had shared life with him, journeyed with him, ministered with him, watched him do some amazing things. Well, these 11 men were now scattered about. 
Nine of them had run the night before Jesus' arrest. One of them who had been so close to him, who had walked with him on the water, in fact, well, this one had denied him there in the high priest courts. The only one left was standing there among some women that, have, that were also a part of Jesus' following as he was there. As he stood there, he stood with the mother of Jesus. And Jesus actually spoke to him saying, hey, she is now your mom. There was a man that we just wrote of by the name of Simon, who no doubt came with his family to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. He's there with Alexander. He's there with Rufus. And as he's there, he's watching this all take place. And he's just there to celebrate the Passover, to worship the Lord. And he is compelled to carry this condemned man's cross to this hill where he's about to die. You know, for an entire nation, a people group, this was a day, a day full, a bad day full of, 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 of disappointment, of missed opportunity in their mind. As they saw this Jesus, this man who is now bleeding and dying before them, hanging on a tree, they saw him just a week prior marching into Jerusalem. They were worshiping him and they were excited about the revolution he was coming to bring, of the rule that he was ushering in. And here they are watching him die. For a Roman governor, it was a day of indecision of doubt and ultimately of capitulation to the desires and the pressures of an angry mob. As he stood there and had this innocent man before him who had been beaten already was standing there as he had told the people, hey, behold the man. They cried out, crucify him all the more. And so he ceremoniously washed his hands there, absolving himself of guilt and sending off this innocent man that stood before him who he knew to be innocent, sending him off to die. It was a dark day. It was a bloody day filled with pain and loss for so many on that Good Friday. And we remember Good Friday tonight as good. Because again, it was the day that Jesus willingly went to the cross to die. All of these events that shattered those and the expectations of those that were there, all of these events we look at from our perspective and see that it is good that that happens. That it is good that Jesus went to the cross. Where the truth of Romans 5.8 really shows and shines out for us. As Romans 5.8 reads there that God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ, he died for us. You know, God's love is demonstrated here. While we were sinners separated from the Lord by our sin, God saw that as not something to be tolerated. Saw that as something not to hold as continual, but to do something about it. And because of his great love, we know that he sent his only begotten son to die our death there on the cross. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And as Christ died on that day for you and for me, he died a death that was substitutionary. That was substitutionary. It was never meant for him. It was a death, in fact, a condemnation. That was for us. And it was our place that he took. He took our punishment. And even deeper than that, he took upon himself our sin. You know, Paul speaks of this in Philippians 2, there at the coming of Jesus and of his sacrifice on the cross. We see the mind of Christ that is really displayed there. In Philippians 2, verses 7 through 8, we learn that Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, the Bible says, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, that event which we remember today. 
where Jesus, as he hung there, the truth of 2 Corinthians 5.21 really plays out where it says that for he, speaking of God the Father, made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, we read of Good Friday and when we think on it, it is a dark day in history, yet it is so good. And it's a bright spot in our hearts and lives and in our existence because Jesus died and took our place on the cross. A point that Mark makes sure to mention there in his account of this. A point that Mark makes sure to mention that we do well tonight to dwell upon the reality that Jesus, well, he, he, he took our place. That he there recognized himself. That he, as Mark said, numbered himself with the transgressors. Notice in verses 27 and 28 again, where it says that, that with him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which says that he was numbered with the transgressors. A, a detail that we know, a detail that we see illustrated in pictures of the crucifixion that we read here, but yet a detail that is so easy to skip over is a detail that we should really pay attention to. You see, the fact that Jesus there was numbered with the transgressors, and Mark makes sure to note that, well, that's important to us for a few reasons. It's important to us because it again is the Bible fulfilling prophecy. It's an amazing thing the Bible continually does. You see, as Jesus hung on the cross, Mark makes mention of the fulfilled prophecy that's wrapped up in him being crucified between these two thieves. And I encourage you to make note, perhaps, within your mind and read later on from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 53, that entire chapter where Mark references this verse from in Isaiah 53, 12. Where the whole chapter there relates to us the sacrificial work of the Lord. The sacrificial work of Jesus that he hung on the cross. We see there that it's written that it pleased the Lord, it pleased the Father that Jesus went to the cross because it is that which made for us, a way to get to the Father. That is what Mark shows us here. Fulfilled prophecy as Jesus hung between these two robbers. The prophecy of Isaiah 53:12 is fulfilled in that. But not only fulfilled prophecy that sticks out there, but also too that of grace truly being illustrated. And I love this. Or Mark's gospel, understand, doesn't include it, but, but Luke does. Luke, understand, tells us the, this interchange, this exchange, this conversation between Jesus and the two that are crucified next to him. You can jot down Luke 23, verses 39 through 43, if you would like to. Or understand that as Jesus is there being crucified, the two robbers on his each side, there at the beginning of his death, Mark even lets us in on this reality that they are there reviling him. Along with those that are passing by him, they are reviling and blaspheming, knowing who he is, knowing what he's done. They seek there to tear him down and tear down all that he had done. Until one of them, we see in Luke's gospel, turns from reviling and blaspheming to then repentance. We're there in Luke 23, verses 40 through 42. As they're there reviling the other, it says, answered, rebuking the other robber, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed are justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. 
And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This thief that is hanging there on the cross next to Jesus, who is guilty and they're getting what he deserves, has been blaspheming the Lord, an innocent man who is there hanging for the sins of the world on the cross. And something clicks. Something clicks and this man looks at the other robber that he no doubt was in cahoots with, was working with and moving with. And he looks and he says, hey, what are you doing? What are we doing? We're here because we deserve it. This man, he doesn't deserve this. And he speaks to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To which Jesus responds there, illustrating again, grace extended. In verse 43 of Luke 23, it says, And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. See, the thieves on the cross next to Jesus give way for the grace of God to be illustrated. As belief is put into the work of the Lord, being done right there in that moment, Jesus there extends the grace, the same grace that he extends to each one of us that makes Good Friday so good. See, we see here fulfilled prophecy of Isaiah 53. As well, we see Jesus being sacrificed between two thieves solidifies for us this grace that's extended. But it also, too, what it does is it solidifies the sacrifice that Jesus made. And what I mean by that is not the actual dying that Jesus went through on the cross physically, though that was sacrifice. But the sacrifice, understand, of the union that Jesus had with the Father as Christ was one who took on the sins of the world as he hung there on the cross. Understand that more than just his physical body was being dealt a blow there as he was numbered with the transgressors, not just hanging next to him, not just there walking on the road and blaspheming him and reviling him, but as he took on the sins of the entire world, of us sitting here tonight. There was this great exchange that we see there within the word of God, this great exchange of sin, the sin of the world, coming upon him as he there was the perfect sacrifice, dealing with sin and dealing with the repercussions of sin. When that happened, there was this great interchange as well as this great schism that we see indicated there within Scripture as Jesus cries out for his Father, indicating for the first time this chasm that is made in the union of the Father and the Son. You see, Jesus being hung on that cross, it there solidifies for us this sacrifice that he made as he went willingly and ready to be numbered with the transgressors. As he went ready to be numbered with the transgressors, to take on, again, the sin of the world, sin that he never committed. As he made the choice to step out of perfection, to step into this fallen world, all for the sake of love, and to go through life and into death, knowing what he was doing every step of the way. And as he was numbered for and with the, with the transgressors, in doing so, he provided a way for salvation for all of us as he died that day. And it is that which we read, and I pray we would remember the gravity of tonight, that we would remember the gravity of this sacrifice, as we see indeed a dark day in history, where the only perfect one to ever live, to ever walk the earth, betrayed, tortured, and crucified all, again, for the transgressors, for those that were hanging on either side of him, the one that blasphemed him, as well as the one that said, hey, remember me. For the ones that were below him, the ones dividing his garments, 
The religious leaders in the temple, the religious leaders that were there blaspheming, those that were walking on the road who were just calling out to him, knowing who he was, knowing what he did. Jesus still died for them. And he died for us. Good Friday is good because Jesus saw fit to be numbered with the transgressors of who we are apart, knowing that he didn't have to, but knowing that because of his great love that he wanted to. And that, my friends, is a heavy thing, and it should be a heavy thing for us. It should be a heavy thing for us tonight to feel the weight and the gravity of Jesus coming as a baby and living to an adult and walking as a man, the perfect man in this world. When we didn't deserve it, he went to the cross and took our place, died so that we might be saved. And we call Good Friday good because of that reason. And we should call Good Friday good because of that reason. And because of that good reason for Good Friday, we must remember that. And never forget it. Not forget it today. And not forget it tomorrow. Good Friday is good because Jesus was numbered with the transgressors. And that is a truth that is true always. A truth that is true for us every day of our lives. A truth that we are called to take a hold of. Knowing that he didn't just die there for the sins of some, but for the sins of all. And giving all a way of salvation. Calling all to come to him. To realize that we are sinners. Those transgressors that he was numbered with, to realize that Jesus there died for us and we are called to see that and to know that it's for us to take a hold of it and to walk in the salvation he offers. And today, maybe that is for you to do for the first time. Today, maybe it is for you today to realize that Jesus, he, he died for you when you and I, when we did not deserve it. And we can come to him and that sacrifice that he made on the cross we can apply that finished work to our lives because that work is finished. The work of sin being dealt with, of death being dealt with, of the chasm being crossed. Jesus dealt with that, making a way for us to be saved. And for you, for the first time, that may need to be the case. For many of us here tonight, this is a familiar thing that we must never let become too familiar. This is a familiar thing, Good Friday, the sacrifice of the Lord that, yes, saves us and we walk in that daily, but yet can so easily forget the gravity of. And tonight we have the opportunity as we sit and we hear the story, as we think on the sacrifice, tonight we have the opportunity to let that gravity sink into our hearts and minds, again for the first time, but maybe for the 100th time, being reminded of what Jesus did for us what he did for you, what he did for me, and for the whole world. And we're going to remember that in just a moment by taking communion together. But for the next few moments, what I want us to do is just to think through again that day, that day that was dark, that day that was full of confusion, that it was full of hurts and sacrifice, and a day that was planned out of great love for you and for me, as Jesus sought fit to be numbered with the transgressors, those next to him and us sitting here tonight. We need to let that sink in, church, and allow that to lead our lives and allow us to remember what makes Easter Sunday so joyful. Because our God didn't stay dead. Our Lord went to the cross and he died, and he went to the tomb. But he did not stay there. 
But you can't have resurrection without sacrifice. You can't have salvation without death. And so tonight we remember that. And we know that celebration and resurrection is coming. So I want to pray. And then we are going to remember that sacrifice by taking communion. Worshiping the Lord for what he did. And remembering that it is by his shed blood and by his broken body. That we can sit here tonight and remember Good Friday. Not as dark, but as good for you, for me, and for the whole world. Let's pray.